digital media is the future. Yep. Radio alone can't just work. TV alone can't just work. They need to incorporate that. Mm. And I think for me, I'm still learning how to do that. Typing fast, but also being factual at the same time. Being on Twitter, but realizing that the medium, radio, and TV is still important. If you newspaper as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. but at the same time, you you have to know how to to separate that, but also at the same time work within those elements so that the story doesn't get lost. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Off the Record, the podcast that talks to journalists and news personalities about the stories they cover and what it takes to get those stories to our big and small screens. When people learn what I do, I get asked questions about my profession. I decided to create this podcast to bring people into the newsroom's editorial meetings and producers' catch-ups in the hopes that we could all learn the stories behind the news stories. In this episode, we catch up with a good friend and colleague of mine, Bonga Tlulani. Bonga is a radio and television news reporter and has covered a wide range of topics from big political stories to interesting entertainment stories. I wanted to focus on social and digital media and their influence on journalism a bit more. So I asked Bonga how he has adjusted to the role new media has found in the news. I think that's the the tricky part. I'm still adjusting to it. I mean, when I started journalism, I was at a community radio station in Cape Town, uh, Boots Radio. It was just straightforward, do the news and write a story, go home, mm-hmm. do the blog and go home. Now you, there's Twitter, there's, uh, you know... Um, Fast uh, writing, you have to break stories very quickly, get sound, you have to react, you have to do analysis. But I think we have, as younger reporters, I call us, I don't say we're young journalists, thing is younger reporters, we have the advantage of incorporating how social media plays a part. As much as you have to let digital media do its part, don't forget about the fact that there's still a physical radio. Someone is listening somewhere in Kwakwa or where they want to be feel like they're there at a story. So I'm still learning and I think it will take some time before we can master. I don't think we ever will master yeah. the internet or how it works when it comes to breaking news. The daily average time spent with digital media increased from 6 hours and 43 minutes in 2019 to 7 hours and 31 minutes in 2020. The increase was partially based on the coronavirus outbreak. The daily consumption of traditional media such as television, radio, newspapers and magazines also experienced growth in the same period despite years of decline. The growth in digital consumption also reflects society at large. In 2020, Twitter's usage statistics grew by 20 million between June and September. This was influenced by people seeking out information about the pandemic as well as the build-up to the U.S. presidential elections. Bonga is one colleague who has embraced online platforms like Twitter in the execution and support of his work. If you follow him on Twitter, you will know that his fingers are thoroughly exercised. I asked him about the opportunities and pitfalls that come with being an active journalist on Twitter. I it's in a positive way I would say right now it lets people know who you are very fast and also gives you some recognition as you say you've quite grown to know who Bongatulana's timeline is. Mm-hmm. And it's also given me opportunity and access to people that I've never really, maybe don't listen to radio, but they look forward to seeing three or four tweets about a story they're doing. Because if you hashtag state capture, and then maybe you listen and you see my tweets, say, oh, Bonga has said this, and then you'll know what has been happening throughout the day. 
And then that's how it's given me a platform, a, a reach I didn't have before of just only on radio, but also negative-wise that people think they own you on social media. Mm-hmm. You make a mistake, a typo, or you call one person, uh, put a D in front of a person instead of an I, they come for you. Yeah. Uh, you say something that's literally about opinion, they come for you, saying that, why are journalists giving opinions? There's this time, one time when I was talking about how apartheid had taken from us, and then white people were saying that I'm racist because mm. I basically... Yes, that's where <laughs> <laughs> comes from. And they're saying, basically, I'm Stratcom, I'm paid for, because all I said was that they would taken all the land, they would taken all the money, and they still expect us to be in the same level as them. So people just come for you. There was a campaign for me to be fired from my work at Itaewa sure. right now because they're sending emails. They're like, like hardcore right-wing journal um, racists, basically saying that he must go. So you must realize also you have to take the good with the bad. Social media, you can't respond to everything. Yeah, you can't let it get to you everything because you will burn out. We have all been brought so much closer together through the internet. Some bit of news or information that may have taken weeks or months to get to you now takes seconds. And in the world of news personalities, this means that every bit of information put out will always garner a reaction in real time. Just as soon as Bonga expressed his views on racism, it didn't take too long for his editor to receive emails demanding the termination of his contract. We spoke about activism and journalism in episode 2. If you missed it, be sure to listen to it next. Seeing as we're on that subject, I asked my guest how he believes journalism should handle current social issues like racism. We keep talking about it, we keep writing about it, we keep telling stories about it. I mean, it's very important that people realize just because we're in a democratic South Africa, Mandela Rainbow Nation, whatever you want to call it, does not mean racism has ended. It ha- it's structural. Racism is structural. It's about Ufriki and Bonga not being paid the same because they're doing the same job. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that um, you are expected to do more, but at the same time, they don't give you the recognition. It's about who gets the promotion first. It's important. There's small things that you... But so if you write about those things, if we talk about those things, the fact that people want to call you bonga, but the minute you pronounce complacent, you are probably those are small things that count. And I think Twitter, Facebook, Instagram has given us voices for us to tell the stories because the minute people don't like being called racist, you know, there's a whole thing with Graham Smith right now and kind yeah. of see because they don't realize they're part of a system that is entrenching that racism because they don't speak out against it. Because I don't think it should be a black person's uh, job to dismantle racism. Mm. I think white people are the ones who perpetuate it, have to flip your one to say, this cannot work anymore. And then we are the ones who say, this is how you can go about it. Yeah. As long as white people are comfortable in living this way, racism will never end because mm. they're the ones with power. Mm. We are literally fighting a system people want to maintain. Yeah. And they don't like it because they think we want to come and take what's theirs. No, we're just saying the f- Playing fields must be even. It must mm. be fair. Mm. You've had 100 years because of apartheid, colonialism, to build generational wealth. You, white people have generational wealth. because, and they, yeah, <laughs> they don't even like us bringing out that. And I think uh, we, if we're journalists and we say and we keep on pushing and saying, this is why this is happening. Schools, universities, uh, newsrooms have that voice of saying, we have to do it this way. We have to bring people to the table. We can't be debating among ourselves because we're just talking. We don't have power. We're not the ones who own Fortune 500 companies. It's white people who sit on boards. Mm -hmm. So they have to understand that they have to come to the table and they have to listen. This part of the conversation displays Bonga's mindset around issues that affect many people that from his position 
require justice to be done. He was one of the news people covering the October 2015 Fees Must Fall movement that took place in South Africa. I was lucky enough that I was doing Fees Must Fall yeah. in Cape Town when I And it was big that was side. Big yeah. in Cape Town. Take me through that. It's Tuesday the 18th of October. I'm Erin Bates and here are your top stories. A total of 567 people have been arrested during 8 months of Fees Must Fall protests. At this time I just started at ENCA then ESA Cape Town and I was a reporter and and you know how my small frame and my face yeah. and people's police don't care they think you are still part of the students yes, yes. and the students think you are enemy because you are journalists so you are never really safe you have to be very careful because things happen at night we have to have reflective gear mm. we have to make sure that we have to get permits from the police so that we can ride with them in their cars mm. but when also same time we want to go to students and sleep in the houses they occupy mm. Because you want to tell both sides, and it's such a dynamic, eye-opening situation of Fismo as well. Because as much as you feel for the students what they're fighting for, at the same time you can't get too emotionally involved mm. because you have to tell an unbiased story, which I think is a lot of crap, by the way, because there's bias from, with us from everywhere. Every. There is, but you have to tell a story as objectively as possible. So that's what I always say: as objective as I can be. Mm. So that was Fismo as well for me. The friends I made. both sides whether they were the leaders or the students or it's the police side the spokespeople in the police the ministers who are trying to get everything to control mm. the policemen also were sources telling you we'll be going here today to do this and this and this so you were, it was such an incredible it's the first time also and the day they stormed parliament nyakalo mm. it was scary and exciting at the same time because yeah. we were there the adrenaline the adrenaline rush yeah. and then you see soldiers come out of a big ak47 saying sure. take another step then it was such a rush but at the same time i loved being there every moment of it not mm. because it was uh, because it was brutal it was also there still like things that we have to talk about there but i like documenting that history being part of that storytelling of a important story in our history and also in our country and education system What what touched you the most about Fismasport? The fact that I could relate to every other student there. Mm. You know when you've been marginalized, you know when you don't have money, you know when you don't have places to stay, books to read uh, for for studying. And also when the fact that fees are such a hindrance. And then when we go and you talk to the students and they tell you about their grandmothers who are selling fruits and apples and socks behind home so that they can send them there because they're not too poor mm. to receive NFSAs but they're not too rich to pay for themselves. So you you the lost we call them the lost middle or the middle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the middle class Mid- uh, yeah yeah that's yeah the mm-hmm. term for them and you their their story is the fact that they're basically in limbo mm. because of that so you realize that there's parents behind this who are trying everything to send their kids to school mm. and at the same time they're criminalized yeah. by, by the police because I think as much as yes we have laws but come on crowd control in this country is is horrible because the reaction of the government is to criminalize the students which yeah. is not something you should be doing mm. find a way i'm not saying you know, ban everything down yes i know but but violence works sometimes and i'm one of those people sometimes who advocate sometimes the only yes, way to get yes. government's attention unfortunately yeah. mm. you know and there the should be a way and people are 
complaining about buildings and paintings we have insurance i'm like but come on guys it's going to be fixed and it's going to be fixed insurance yeah. is going to pay out yeah. and then students are going to have criminal records at the same time students are going to be jailed and their futures are dashed mm. all because they want education and also i blame a whole system that's why you still have to take to the to the streets for an education why where should it that happen our government it feels so much that they let this do. So uh, telling those stories touched me a lot. And then you have to come to the office to news to a news boss and say, I am objective, even though you were crying your eyeballs mm. out there because you know the pain, Listening you know to the, the women, especially the women's stories and mm. how they're also having to deal with sexual violence in the campus at the same time fighting just for an education. Mm. Those were things that really, really opened my eyes to the rot that is the education system and how stacked up it is against students, particularly poor students. Bunga's love for covering social issues in a meaningful way was part of his early development growing up with his grandmother. This next clip will explain a little bit about the connection between media and speaking out. It's kind of a weird story, but not. You know, as young, uh, my grandmother lived with her. She'd watch Asikulumela's talk with Kulani mm. Kuala. Yes. So every Sunday, she'd say, uh, come sit in front of the TV. We'll come home. Start at 6 o'clock. So we wanted to watch cartoons, but she'd be like, no, I'm watching Kulani. She'd call it Kulani, that show. Yes. And I always said to her, she'd always say, it's happening now. It's live. And I didn't understand that because I was very young at that time. I was just under 10. And she would be like, you know he's live, right? I'm like, I don't understand what that means. Yeah. And then I'd get in I like the way he did things, interviewed people like politicians, Wandolomisa, like ANC people, big wigs. And I always say to my grandmother, I'd be like, I'll be, I'll be him one day, I'll be him. Yeah. And then I think she didn't believe me. I didn't believe myself. And then I think after that, I believed it. And people wanted to be lawyers, but I was interested in media. I grew up not Kolo Hotbom, Reddit Lavi. You know, Nkolo um, uh, was like the hero that I wanted to be. And Kolani Kuala, as I said, Vuyo Mbuli. And then I, I just fell into it. And I think after graduating matric, I studied journalism and years went by. Ten years later, yeah, still am. <laughs> Many of us in the industry went into it with the mind that we would add value to society and change the world. The images we saw on our television and the voices we heard over our radios had such an impact that we can all name the same group of news people who helped shape our decision to enter the industry. But we never took the time to stop and ask what things were like for our idols off the mics and away from the cameras. Were things behind the scenes as Hollywood as they seemed on the surface? I think the truth is that being that person who gets to speak to South Africa every day and give them the information that they want to hear is and was enticing for many of us. For those who enter and do their work for 5, 10, 30 years with passion, it truly is a calling. And from what it seems to me, Bonga might be one of the journalists in it for the long run. I think for us, it's important that we form our own structures. I don't don't ask me how, but I think journalists now we have to form our own structures of self. You know how to help each other, how to make navigate this grim grim world we keep on having because south african journalism journalists go through a lot it's because the world is dark day. yes it's getting worse yeah. every day mm. when you talk about murder you know it involves a story mm. when you talk about uh, rape you know it involves a story when you talk about all these macabre things that happen you know it's going to end up in the news and we know we're going to have to deal with it and mm. people think we just semi-famous or famous that do you think it, it makes up for it but no, no there's so much going on in yeah. the background yeah mm. the other one is that just let young journalists thrive. Mm. 
give them what's due to them. They don't pay, get paid a lot. No. We should talk about come, that. Come you on. know, <laughs> <laughs> people, young people are dying in debt because they have to keep a roof over their head. You want to have a nice life at the same time. You want to be able to you know, work and go to work and do your job and have a good salary. You don't want to choose between those nice sneakers and food tonight. Yeah. I don't understand why. You're doing such an essential service job, yeah. but the pay is meek. People have to fight and claw and work three jobs a so that you can have a nice average life so which i don't understand if journalism is so important why not pay the same mm. and i think that's where also the older generation have failed in fighting for better wages or salaries mm. for the upcoming journalists because as we are going through years things are evolving mm. we need people who want to come into this profession yeah. because people are like nope there's no money there. Yeah. I'd rather do a, do a blog by myself or something. All the guests I have had have shared a positive outlook for journalism and news media. My conversation with Bonga went on for a while longer as we got into talking about themes I really want to get into in our next episode of Off the Record. I enjoyed speaking with Mr. Lulani. He has thought-provoking and insightful things to say. Check him out on Twitter at Bonga Lulani. You won't be disappointed. Thank you so much for joining me. Let me know your thoughts on the season so far. We are at Off The Record Podcast on Instagram, or you can hit me up at underscore Nyakaloti on Twitter, and let's talk. This was episode four of Off The Record Podcast, a Pi Slovakia dance original podcast series. Research and writing by Nyakalotefu and Reatile Musweu. Thank you so much for listening.